it's Amanda and Baron back again with Kicking Cancer Cares on KSLM Radio, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM. Duh. Once again with the radio voice. I love it. Um, a huge shout out to our sponsors for this second half, which is Five Marketing to take care of all of your website needs. If you're not quite sure if something's working, he is definitely your go-to. Or if you're just starting up a new business, um, definitely check him out. That's Five Marketing. And keep it Sarah simple. Um, she is there for all of your dietary needs. If you want to get on schedule, on track, change things up, or aren't quite sure where to start with getting better with your self-care. And then I also want to, can I just give another shout out to Oddmost Pizza as, as well? As long as you do it with a mouthful of pizza. Holy smokes. This cauliflower crusted pizza is so good. So another shout out to Oddmo's, uh, who sponsors our first segment as well. And we do still have Victoria's Peace with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we were talking um, before the break. Some of these costs. Yes. So Victoria had mentioned an ad that she saw 10 years ago for the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Um, There's a lot of different places to get cancer treatment. That's one business, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I wanted to bring this one into our next discussion here. Again, I'm going to go back to Chris's book. He says, from 2005-2014, during period period, 10-year period, the amount of money spent on advertising by cancer treatment centers tripled. Wow. That's about the time frame that you were listening, mm-hmm. right? They tripled. In 2014 alone, 890 cancer centers spent $173 million on wow. ads... It's a lot of money. $173 million. None of it at KSLM, unfortunately. <laughs> and over half of that was spent by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Oh, interesting. So now... And then there's... That's the one that you remembered mm-hmm. and half. So that's uh, that's roughly $85 million advertising. So w- the, the reason I bring that up <clears throat> is there's a cost. So we've talked about these different areas, right? But if I'm going to get you to come to Odd Mo's versus some other pizza place, and I'm going to spend money on advertising, that money has to come out of something. And usually what happens is the price of the product has to go up a little bit to cover that advertising cost. Mm-hmm. But if you're spending $85 million, then how much does it cost to go to the Cancer Treatment Centers of America? Right. So a lot. I'm I'm learning a lot about businesses lately and how um, advertising can be a write-off to balance what you make, your your income and outgoing. And with cancer treatments being so expensive, is that kind of like a way to use it as a write-off? Almost, in a sense. That's a good... I don't it's know. It's possible. I can tell you... Do you know, what, you know what I mean? I do, exactly, Amanda. Their Cancer Treatment Centers of America's advertising, which they've been doing for years, um, it worked for me because the minute, the next day after my diagnosis, I was on the phone to them to find out what their protocol was to see, is that a place I need to be? Or right. can I still do my treatment here locally? Yeah. And... That one for me would have been completely out of pocket. And at that moment in time for a three day, they do a three day uh, evaluation with their whole team, holistic team. And I love their approach, which is what sold me on calling them. $24,000 out of pocket for the three days. Whoa. Now, when you're diagnosed with my catastrophic stage four spread to liver and bones, I would have done, let's sell the house, let's sell the, sell everything we're going right. to go. But it did cause me. Time to pause, take a deep breath, and say, wait a minute, let's think about this. Can I do what I need to do here and still 
have a good outcome. Right. Thank goodness for me, I did, and I did have a good outcome. Yeah. But... And again, the reason you do TV advertising is to cut yourself from the herd. You want people to think about you. Obviously, it works. It works. Top of mind awareness. Top of mind awareness. Mm -hmm. So the rest of it says the majority of TV and magazine ads for U.S. cancer centers are emotional appeals rather than facts. My major in college was marketing, and there's lots of strategies when it comes to how you market a product. Fear is a tactic, right? Okay. If you don't. If you don't use this product, then this is going to happen. That's a fear tactic they use it in advertising. Yeah. Right? So most cancers are using emotional pills rather than facts, leading to unrealistic expectations about the treatment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a recent review of 409 television and magazine ads for 102 cancer centers found that 85% of the ads used potentially misleading emotional appeal that seemed to equate treatment with cure. So they played on people's emotions, giving them false hope to get their attention and rope them in. Pretty much. Because they were equating, come to us for treatment and you'll be cured. That's a claim you can't make. Right. But they were using that claim through misleading emotional appeals. 61% of the ads Featured messages evoking hope for survival. Over half of the ads included patient testimonials. 41% of the ads described cancer treatment as a fight or battle. And a third of the ads were categorized by the study as fear-induced. Interesting. Not None of those were facts, facts at all. That's all emotional appeal, as, and it worked for you, right? It did. Absolutely. And pushing them out like that, that is what that top of mind awareness, yeah. you know, just having it there for mm-hmm. when you do need it. So the last part here says 27% of the cancer center ads promoted the benefits of the cancer therapies, but none of the ads cited specific data to support the claims. Of course not. Only 5% of the ads mentioned cost. 5% only? 5%. And then there were um, 800, no. Let me get that exact number in here because it said it. Uh, 409 ads for 102 centers. So of the 409 ads in this study, only 5%, I see you doing the math here, 5% of the 409 ads actually mentioned cost. How much is that? I see you doing your math. 20. So 20 of the 409 ads actually told you how much it costs to go to the center. Only 2% of the ads gave objective information on treatment. That's eight. Wow. I can do that math in my head. 2% yeah. of is eight. That's eight of the ads talk, or talked about the typical results or risk, such as physical suffering, financial hardship, cancer incurrence, likelihood of death. <laughs> Only 2% of the ads actually talked about the side effects. The of reality. The reality. Cancer Center... Television ads often feature images of bald women and children accompanied by tragic orchestrative music, followed by witty taglines like Fighters Wanted. It's all a bunch of hype on an ad. I've watched St. Jude, and I like what St. Jude is, so I'm not mocking St. Jude. But if you see a picture of a four-year-old kid who's got his head shaved off, they're playing on your emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I, yeah. All right, I'm, I'm close to the book because now I'm getting pissed off. 
but really, so so advertising plays into the cost. Yeah. Of, of what's of going what on with cancer. Buying. Right? Mm-hmm. So with your years of experience in banking and working with businesses in the Salem area, how does this all, what are your thoughts here, Victoria? What you just described through the Crispy Cancer book is typical of just a business um, template, if you will, for any business. doesn't matter what they're doing, uh, what they're selling. It's a recipe for you to then build upon. And how do you want to do that? How do you want to articulate um, your success? And do you want to just play on the emotions? Or can you play on the emotions and balance that with stats that really draw people in? Because if you're a really good business, no matter what you're doing, and you have good success ratio, and you share those stats with your public, they're more likely even to come back to you time and time again. Mm Mm-hmm. We have great advertisers with our show, mm-hmm. you know, going back to Oddmo's Pizza. Yeah. We have turned cancer into a product that can be marketed like a car with Withnell, like a pizza with Oddmo's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cancer treatment is yeah. now a product. We're not, my opinion, we're not trying to really get rid of cancer. We have a product that we can make money on, and we find ways to market that product. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, um... I lost my train of thought here. Uh, where was I? You had. Oh, that's right. You had mentioned that on we were going over um, statistics of how many, how much medication we they had for breast cancer um, versus then versus now, and how crazy it is that those numbers have skyrocketed. We, I mean, there was. Are you looking for it? I'll find it. You keep talking. They. Um, how I, I, it was like single numbers of how much medication there was for breast cancer, then, then went into the hundreds. So they're just, instead of finding the cure, they're, they're just developing new medications. And that was one thing that was told to me the day that I was told you don't need to do the traditional chemo. And I didn't hear all of it until later. But what the doctor was saying is if for some reason the hormone blocker stops working, we can't put you back on the original chemo drugs you just came off of, but we have a long menu of additional drugs that we can try. Right. And so that was, it was encouraged at that moment in time. It was encouraging to me. It's like, okay, good. That's well, thank good. God. I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got more on. things to help me if right. that works. But Baron, I have to share something with you really quick that I just, I was reminded of. We've all heard many, most people have heard this sentence, but Benjamin Franklin years ago, decades ago, He was coming up with a statement to prevent devastating fires. And I thought this was really interesting. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's true of anything, but really true in the medical world, and specifically with cancer. And very few are talking about prevention and the best way to do it. And part of it, I think, has to do with the human mind and the human nature. Mm -hmm. We'd much rather have lots of bad behaviors, whether it's eating way too much ice cream every day or whatever it might be, versus really being mindful of understanding what's going to be best for your body to keep you as absolutely healthy as you can. Can you repeat that one more time? Quote, oh, my goodness. The quote. The quote. Not, oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I, I can. Not all of it. Yeah, thank wow. you. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Okay. So you were actually with us in June when Dr. Bud Pierce spoke for Kicking Cancer. I was. And I remember when I asked 
Dr. Pierce if he would speak, I had found some information on the fact that in the, in the 70s, late 70s, that they actually had determined that all these treatments, all chemotherapy, radiation, were actually causing cancer, right? So they knew back then that what they were doing to treat cancer was causing cancer. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him, knowing that he makes his living, he's an oncologist, and I said, so what's your opinion of what I just read? Yeah. You know what he said? What? Prevention is always the best cure. Yeah. He did? And you were there when he said I it. I was, and he did. Here's the lead oncologist in the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Ran for governor, wonderful gentleman. And I ask him, you know, he's making his living as an oncologist. And he says, prevention is always the best cure. It is. It's the one that we're not talking about. Right. Of course not. The other speaker at that particular workshop um, was a lady who had been with Kaiser Permanente in California for 27 years. And as she was going through her credentials... When she was in college, in her 20s, she was at UC Davis and had been part of several clinical trials. And she thought it was really intriguing that there were no clinical studies for prevention. She, I mean, she, she yeah. listed these trials that she watched, that she was part of. And even when she was 20-something years old, she thought, we're not doing trials on how to not get cancer. That is an interesting point. Very. So I did find the number you were asking about. Okay. So this was, we brought this up when we were at the golf course with Robin Collinson. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. And you may not have heard this, but in 1971, Victoria, there were only eight cancer drugs available. In 2021, there are now 641 cancer drugs available. Wow. Big difference. Huge difference. And on one hand, as a cancer survivor sitting here today, I can say, thank goodness there's that many. And on the other hand, it's like, oh, okay. At what cost? At what cost? Well, so my biggest question is, what's wrong with the original six? I believe back in that, and I'm speaking out of turn here, but Baron, I, my guess is back then, Amanda, since that time, 40 years later, they've done 50, so much. 50, 50 years, years later. Oh, my gosh. 50, thank 50 you. 50 years later. Here's the banker with it. Anyway, (laughs) 50 years later, they have had 50 years of additional research. And to be able to identify, we have the um, genetic testing. have so many more tests available, which are then really sectioning out, like in breast cancer, how many breast cancers are there that they treat differently. Okay. And I think that's what's happened. And so with that comes different drugs that treat different cancers more effectively than others. Well, the last point of our discussion, because I do want to give time for you to tell the story, but the last part of our discussion, is, and when it comes to the cost of cancer, in 1971, the average monthly cost, and I don't know you'll remember this, mm-hmm. the average monthly cost to treat cancer was $134. $134 a month. In 2021, it was $14,508 a month. A month? A month. A month. That, was, that was the... Average monthly cost of new cancer drugs. That's crazy. So we go from $134, when there was only eight drugs to choose from, to, yes, we have a lot more drugs to choose from, but they now cost $14,580. And that goes back to probably the R&D, the testing, the making it, the studies. Well, and the other thing we mentioned a few weeks ago. The advertising. All those factors are playing into this. all goes into those costs. But in uh, 2005, there's a graph in here. In 2005, they have $100, and they're showing inflation 
And when I talked about this a few weeks ago, too, yeah. right? So from, from 05 to, to 1920, general inflation had gone from $100 to $132. That's just general inflation. Except for drug prices, it had gone to $303. So drugs grew at 3.0% or 300, 303% inflation. Everything else was at 132% inflation. And that's all hidden in there. You don't realize it's being increased so crappily because it's hidden inside those insurance costs. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you weren't there, but Victoria was, in fact, you asked the question. You asked Dr. Pierce, who's the real bad guy here? Yeah. You know what his answer was? What? You remember? Insurance companies. Oh, oh. that's right. Mm-hmm. So here he sits. He has to answer to Salem Hospital, who has to answer to pharmaceuticals. But he says all of us are answering to the insurance companies. Yeah. I, I think I remember I told you I'd gotten a hospital bill for my husband, and it was insurance price or without insurance. And with insurance, it was almost double the price. But without insurance, it wasn't. It was like, well, what makes a difference? I mean, if, if the bill's being paid, the bill's being paid, but because it's through insurance, it's just you get to just double it? So much of what we are dealing with is being driven by insurance. It's crazy. And I'm going to bring that up in another show. All right. I know we're going to run out of Because I want to leave time for an amazing story. Okay, go ahead. Shoot. It was June of 2019. I got a call from Victoria inviting me to go down to Salem Hospital. Now, this is pre-COVID. They have this wonderful event. June is Survivor Awareness Month, and Mm -hmm. so we have this big deal for survivors. So I, I find Victoria. She's introducing me to the different people, and across the across the uh, sidewalk is this young lady who I met for five minutes. Her name's Kelly Goodwin. Now, when I saw Kelly, I thought she was pregnant, but that's not the case. Victoria's going to tell you an amazing story right now. So thank you, Baron. Um, I met Kelly Goodwin in 2018 in our support group that we have twice a month at the Salem through Salem Hospital in the Cancer Institute. There, Kelly was in her early third. I'm sorry, early early 40s. She comes in and she's just this tiny little live ball of energy, and she sits down and starts telling her story. So I'll condense this because it's a long story, but it's it's really an important story. Kelly was born with a congenital heart disease issue that she was uh, surgically corrected at age four. Okay. 2000, or when she was 12, she was diagnosed with a rare form of childhood leukemia and was told at that time, you will be sterile, you will not be able to have children after mm-hmm. we do treatments. She had a bone marrow transplant by a, a family friend and survived all of that. And she went into a lot of detail and shared with us the just going through all of that. It was really awful. Just, I mean, yeah. horrible. And Kelly's smiling and laughing. Well, she ended up marrying her elementary school sweetheart. Oh. And they both graduated from college, both did their career things, traveled all over the place. And 16 years later, they said, you know what? We've done all this stuff for us. Maybe we do want to have a child. So they knew Kelly couldn't have children. And they decided to do surrogacy, which they did. And the first baby that came were twins, Victoria and Elizabeth. How fantastic is that? <laughs> so Kelly, from that point, she had then also, um, she started having pains in her stomach. This was, I'm fast forwarding to 2018 when I met her. She had pains in her stomach and it ended up being an aggressive type of cancer that wasn't treatable 
not doesn't respond to um, chemo at all. And it was a soft tissue carcinoma. Terminal. She had four or five tumors in her abdomen. One went from her belly button around to her back, Whoa. and was the size. I mean, when Baron, you met her, that was her. That was the tumor that was yeah. in her. Uh, seriously, Amanda, when I saw her, I thought she was about seven or eight months pregnant. Wow. Yeah, and she was tiny. That's she how was, big the tumor was. Yeah, she was maybe five two and just a tiny little thing. Yeah. But this poor lady, and so every time we'd get into support group and it was in person, you know, she'd hold her stomach, but she'd be smiling and laughing, and she was a Disney fanatic. Her nickname as a child when she went to child cancer camp was Piglet. <laughs> and so that's not necessarily, well, I guess Disney now, um, Winnie the Pooh and such. Anyway, she loved Disneyland, and that's just, that kind of filled her up with... This she was just this amazing spirit that I got to enjoy, very faith based, and she talked about death. She talked about everything, very transparent, very open. Mm-hmm. So then, fast forward, she went through um, back up just a little bit. She also, in the middle of it, had a uterine type cancer before this 2018. Had full hysterectomy, did really well, got through that, which is when then they decided let's maybe we should have right. a child. So. I'm sharing that with you because she was just, I'm sorry, she's just amazing as I think about it. So they had, they decided to have a third child. Okay. Again, surrogacy. Went in and lo and behold, triplets came. Oh my goodness. So now when I meet her, she has a set of twins and a set of triplets. And she's just been diagnosed with a terminal cancer that's not curable in any fashion, although they were looking for clinical trials and such. They tried some, and they just weren't working. Right. So if I can know just for a yes. second. So she's diagnosed as a child with mm-hmm. blood cancer. Leukemia. Mm-hmm. Leukemia. The treatment supposedly was going to make her sterile, but mm-hmm. she did manage to have twins. After she didn't have She had surrogacy. Surrogacy. Okay. Yep, so, so they surrogate. had twins. Mm-hmm. After the twins, she gets uterine cancer. And then they decide to have one more, but the one more is actually three more. So they have five, and then she gets this stomach cancer, right? She actually had the his, the uh, uterine leo, leo, leomyosarcoma in 2014. And so then fast forward to 2018 is when they had the twins, and then she had the triplets, and then diagnosed with the final cancer of the soft tissue carcinoma. So she had all five kids and then was diagnosed with the final cancer. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, so this is when I meet her, and, you know, we're listening. I'm thinking of her husband, who, and he works from home. He, they were both very highly educated, fun individuals, and she kept that smile alive to the very last moment that yeah. she wasn't with us anymore. And I'm just really sad when I think about her because I would love for more people to have known her and known that spirit um, of survival in her mind. And she knew where she was going. Again, she was very faith-based. She knew she was going home to heaven with God. Hmm. When, I, when, I, when you introduced me to her, it was, I believe it was the 24th of June. If I go back. It sounds about right. Oh, the 24th of June. Um, she passed away July the 2nd, Amanda, Wow. which is nine days after I met her. So I meet her briefly. I ran into another lady who actually knew her, and one week later, this other lady that knew her said, I'm headed down to her house because Kelly's declining rapidly. And right before that, Baron, uh, shortly after the time that you met her, the day that you met her, we had our regular support group meeting she the lady that the facilitator said kelly probably is going to be here today she's up in the she's in the hospital and 
I said, oh my gosh, we've got about a half hour. I'm going to run upstairs. I'm going to run upstairs and just see her. And they were able to bring her down to the support group. We wheeled her down and she was able to sit and that was the last time that I saw her. And I brought her a Starbucks coffee. I, I text messaged her. Kelly, I know you're in the hospital. Can I come see you before support group? Brought her the coffee, which was just heartwarming for me because she loved the Starbucks coffee. I don't know if she even drank it. It didn't matter. Right. But we were able to get her to support group and enjoy her that last moment. And I think she passed a few days later. Wow. Well, I have coined a phrase. We've used it a few times. And as I was thinking back on the timeline of June, I thought it was important that we make sure that she does not die in vain. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for sharing that story. You're welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for so letting much. me. Yeah, and thank you for joining us. Thank it's always you for, a pleasure. You as well. Thank you. All right, and with that, we are going to wrap it up. Huge shout out to our sponsors for this segment, Five Marketing and Keep It Sarah Simple. Make sure to show them your guys' love for they have showed us theirs. And we will be back next Saturday as, as the, the movement, movement continues. continues.